So if you're turning with me today, we're going to start in John 8. John 8, verse 31. Today, I just want to take a few minutes and talk to you about a redo or a do-over. You ever had an area in life where you just want to do-over? I've had a bunch of them. Maybe some, some things in life that have happened where you just kind of like to hit reset. Can I, can I try that again? Let me get a redo. Let me get a do-over. I mean, maybe for you, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. I'm sorry for you if it is, but maybe can I get a redo on that? Or maybe it's a financial decision or some financial decisions that you wish, God, if I could go back and change that. I could, I could raise my hand on that one. There's a few things I've, financial decisions, I wish I could go back and redo. Looking back, they weren't that smart. Right? There's probably all kind of areas in our lives. What about an addiction? And there's all kind of, a lot of us in this room have been and or are Addicted to different things. If you could get a redo on that. How about an epic failure? You got any of those? Yeah, I want to redo on that. But as I, I think about it and I think about you want to redo, yeah, we can think of this huge thing, this epic failure, this horrible thing but really what we want the redo on is when we got caught usually but what if we could go back and redo when it all started when we started making the bad decision or when something happened see it's not usually the huge catastrophic moments that cause regret. Regret is looking back at small decisions and choices that you made in a progression, patterns that you set up, and realizing that you never awakened your soul. You never really lived. You, you just slowly got to somewhere you didn't want to be or maybe slowly built up to that catastrophic big breakdown, explosion, whatever it was. But it all goes back to regular moments, regular choices. Is what you do right now and the step that you take right now leads to the future. Whatever direction you're headed in, it's those little moments. It's, I heard somebody say this past week um, that the people that everybody wants to change the world. If you ask anybody, would you like to change the world? They say, well, sure. But not many people do change the world. And, and he said that the ones that change the world are the ones that learn to change the square footage that's right in front of them. The ones that are doing something to change now, today. They figure out how to do it. Not the ones that are waiting to one day, I hope I can change the world. No, one day if I ever get enough money, I'm going to do something big and change the world. Or one day when I get 
prepared or one day when I get an education or one day when I, then those are the ones that usually don't ever change anything. The ones that end up changing the world are the ones that figure out, well, what can I do right now to take a step towards that, towards my purpose, towards changing the world. Toward, see, God has a call on your life. If you're breathing, you're not finished. We talked about that last week a lot. If you're still breathing, you're not finished. God has a call and a purpose and a plan on your life. And He wants to change the world through you. You have giftings and talents and things on the inside of you. So what are you going to do about that? What are you doing about it today? What are you going to do about it right now? Take a step. You can choose death so many times that you're not really living life. Remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. You must move beyond your feelings. Jesus taught the disciples not to trust in their feelings. That's a dangerous thing to do. If you just do what you feel like, you will live a reckless, dangerous life. You're going to hurt yourself and a whole lot of other people if you just run around doing what you feel like doing. That's not what Jesus taught. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to live. I'm mad, so I'm going to act out of that anger. I'm upset, so no. We can't act out of our feelings. We act out of what we know and our feelings follow. Jesus said, I came to bring you life and life to the full or an abundant life. It's what I came for. I came to bring you life to the full. Do you ever feel like you're not living your life to the full? Like you're just kind of going through the motions and you're not enjoying life? You ever just feel like, oh my, what's the point? Here we go again. Punch the clock. Go through the motions. Do blah, blah, blah. That's not living life to the full. That's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not what he had in mind. Or like you've lost your passion. You know, if you're doing something without passion, your heart's not in it. You're just going through the motions. I want to do things with passion. I want my heart to be in it. My prayer is that God would let my passion go beyond my feelings. You know, passion is proven by perseverance. Look at it. Look at somebody's life and you can see what they're passionate about. Where do you persevere? Where do you push through? Because everything in life is going to get hard. You're going to go through some valleys and some ups and some downs. But how do we keep the passion? You got to find your purpose. If you can't do a small thing with passion, why would you be trusted with more? See, I've got passion whether I get paid or not. What if, if you didn't get paid, would you still do what you do? 
I know we got to go to work and earn a living and stuff like that, but if you're passionate about something, you're going to do it either way. Tired or rested, wet or dry, you, you got a purpose. So look at John 8, 31. Um, we're going to read 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue, some translations say abide. If you abide or continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Or my disciplined ones. Disciples, that's disciplined ones. And you shall know the truth. Remember, I mentioned just a minute ago, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth is Jesus. So you'll know the truth or you'll know me, Jesus was saying. And the truth shall make you free. Now we know he was talking, he was going to the cross to free us from sin and death. The truth will make you free. I will make you free, Jesus was saying to them. Because I am the truth. I'm going to make you free. You know, Dusty Rutherford has a story inside of Jesus. I have a story. That's the truth. That's who I am. Anything that I choose to write outside of him is fiction. It's fake. I'm living a lie. It's a mask. The truth is found in Christ. Inside of Him. This is my truth. Come on. You know if you tell yourself a lie long enough, you'll believe it. I know a lot of people that do that. You can, you can be pretty convincing. You can tell yourself a lie long enough and you'll believe it. And from what I've seen... The more you practice doing that, the better you get. Man, I know some people that can tell a lie and they believe it as soon as they're saying it. They've practiced so much. They're just that good at it. You believe it. But if you know the truth, you know Jesus. You know the truth. It's different than just knowing the truth if if you think of it as Jesus is the truth then it's a relationship if you have a relationship with truth then you can't believe a lie Jesus said it like this my sheep hear my voice and they won't go astray if you come up and tell me a lie but I'm in relationship with the truth and I've been listening to his voice and I've been seeking his heart and I've been spending time. Well, when you come up and say a lie, I'm, that doesn't even sound like truth. I'm not going to follow that. And even if I think it may be truth, whenever I check it with the truth and it doesn't line up, then I'm not going to follow it. We won't follow the lie, but it's about a relationship. So you can have a relationship with truth. All you talk about is Jesus. That's the only story I know. It's all I got. 
He gives me life. And so, can't help but talk about it. Buddha, I can talk about him, but he doesn't give me life. I don't feel it. He never saved me. Let's read the rest of this. Verse 33, they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? First of all, (laughs) we can read all through the Bible and see that Abraham's seed was slaves to all kind of people. The Egyptians and the Philistines had them in slavery, and but oh, we're Abraham's seed. How can you say that we'll be free? We're already free. I'm not a slave to anyone. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Jesus said, Guys, you're not getting it. I'm not talking about you being a natural slave to somebody. If you're running around committing sin, you become the slave or the servant of that sin. You're serving. You're going to worship something. You're going to serve something. You're not free. We buy into the lie. Well, I'm free to do what I want. Grace says I'm covered. I'm free to do what I want. That's true. So... I'll just do whatever I want and go live a life of whatever feels good, following my feelings, sin, whatever. Then you're not free. You become a slave to that. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus said, abide, stay, or live, that word means, where? In my word. What's he saying? Stay in the story. Live in the story. It's like a treasure hunt every day. In his word, in his story, he'll he'll speak to you and the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. And as it unfolds, you stay in the story and you remind yourself of who you are and who he says you are. And you listen for his words and for him to speak into your life. You stay in the story. Why? Because Jesus said, you will be my disciples. And you will know the truth. Or Jesus, you'll know me. And the truth will make you free. He will make you free from bondage and fear and addiction and sin. Jesus will change your lifestyle. The truth changes the way you live. Remember we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit um, is a friend, our comforter. And He will take us by the hand and lead us in the pathway of truth. He'll take you by the hand and lead you. So how do I know my relationship with God's real? It changes the way you act. It changes the way you give. It changes the way you live. 
You don't act on feelings. You're acting on truth. You act on who you are as a son or a daughter of the king, not on what you feel like. Acting on truth. It changes things. Look at James, James 1.22. This is uh, Jesus' brother. He wrote this book. And it took him a minute. I say James is one of the later books we got. And so it took him a little while to, to come around, and I don't blame him. Imagine if your brother was Jesus. It would probably take a little while to come around. So, uh, so James writes this book, and look what James says in, in verse 122. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Or he's saying, you're cheating yourself. You're hearing the word, and you're coming in here, and you're getting inspired, and you're feeling good. But then you're just hearing it, and you're not doing it. You're not applying it to your life. Like Monday morning, you don't walk it out. So what's the point? what James is saying like you're cheating yourself you could be growing and moving on spiritually for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was James said, you're just like a dude that looks in the mirror, looks at himself, walks away, and forgets what kind of man he was, or forgets what he looks like. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know, we've looked at this before, but James uses this example of a mirror, and it's such a good example because it sounds ridiculous that you could go look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like. But spiritually, we do it all the time. We come in church and we get reminded of who we are. We get reminded that there's a call and a purpose and that we're sons and daughters of the king and, and that Jesus died and paid this price. And then we walk out the door and we're like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we, we forget who we are. We forget what we look like. And when I look at my own life and I look back and I think about my greatest moments of sin are when I forgot who I was. When I wasn't thinking about who I am and the man that I'm supposed to be and the father and the pastor and the like who I am in God. My greatest moments of failure in my life have come when I forgot who I was. So we come in here in church and it's a mirror. We're reminded of who we are. When we step into His presence, we're reminded of how loved we are. How whole we are. How powerful we are. We, we're reminded of who and what we were created to be. Results don't tell you who you are. Circumstances don't tell you who you are. People don't tell you who you are. Jesus does. The Word does. God's Word 
Some people go to church. Some people read the word. And they don't let it affect the way they live. James is saying here, don't just hear it, do it. You're cheating yourself. Get in the story. Stay in the story. Bring your death to life. And when it stops affecting your life, you've probably forgotten who you are. So what do we do? That's why we're supposed to be in relationship with each other. You're supposed to get around people that remind you of who you are. You're supposed to marry somebody that reminds you daily of who you are. If you are married, you should be doing that for your spouse. Remind them who they are, who God says they are. Right? Go to a church that will remind you who you are. That's what I'm doing right now. It's a good choice on churches. Come back. Bring a friend. (laughs) Remember who you are. Relationships are important. For that reason. I may be borderline schizophrenic, but at least we have each other. (laughs) Hashtag never alone. (laughs) So, uh, how do I do it? How do I live this passionate life of truth? How do I, how do I, be a doer and not just a hearer of the word. How, how do I keep taking ground? How do I walk into the promised land? How, how do we do it? I want to live with passion. I want to change the world. I want to serve God. I, but I've done things in my past and I've had things done to me that you can't change we don't get do-overs but we serve a God that can work all things together for our good because we're called according to his purpose meaning he has a purpose for our life and he can work everything that we've been through everything that's been done to us good or bad he can work it all together for our good when we're walking in our purpose When we allow healing to come. He works it all together for good. Remember, um, Moses led the children of Israel across, out of slavery and across the desert. And when Moses died and and, uh, Joshua took over, and God had to keep telling Joshua over and over, be of good courage, have courage. You're going to take the land. You're going to lead the people. And... It tells us, if you go read it, that Joshua was Moses' servant. He wasn't the vice president. He wasn't second in command. He wasn't Moses' greatest warrior. He was Moses' servant, and he was going to take over. Joshua, the the servant of Moses, was going to take over. And God's telling him, be of good courage, be courageous. And God said to him, I'll give you every piece of land that you step foot on. 
I read that earlier this week, and I don't guess I've ever really thought about that. God's like, Joshua, I'm going to give you and all the children of Israel every piece of land that you step foot on. So if he didn't step foot on any land, they didn't get anything. If he just sat there on this side of Jordan in the desert, then that's all they would have ever had. They would have never walked in the inheritance or the blessing of God or the land that flows with milk and honey if they didn't step foot onto the land. And every piece of land that they stepped foot on, God gave it to them. You know how he gave it to them? They had to fight. And beat up giants and drive people out and work and take it over. It's a process. Every piece of land that you step foot on, I'll give it to you. See, we don't want God to just hand us our inheritance. Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm prepared. Lay it on me. God's like, go take it. It's yours. I paid the price. You take a step. Step out. Go get it. Go find it. And then God said to Joshua, if I'm with you, they won't be able to stand against you. They will stand against you. But they won't be able to defeat you. He said they won't be able to stand against you. A lot of people stood against Joshua. We get the wrong idea. We're like, if God is for me, no one can stand against me. God never said that. God said, if I'm for you, they won't be able to stand against you. But man, they're going to try. You might have to fight. And that's okay. Because that's part of the process. Man, that's what's going to prepare you. That's what's going to get you ready for the awesome, huge purpose that I have for your life. That's what's going to make you into a world changer is going through this process and learning how to fight and learning how to lead and learning how to delegate and learning how. It's the only way I can teach you. They won't be able to stand against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, but there's going to be some weapons formed against you. They won't be able to stand against you, though. It's part of the process. Look at Philippians 3.10. Look what Paul said. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. And this is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. But I think it's so important earlier in this chapter Paul's like giving his credentials and talking about how awesome he is and I was a Jew among the Jews and I was I had this education and I was high ranking among the officials and Paul's talking about all these good things and then that's where he said but I have to count all this as filthy rags because it's not about me and my strength and how good I am or if I can do it and then look what he says Verse, let's, we'll start reading in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. 
I mean, I tell you guys to come on Wednesday night for our fellowship, fun family fellowship. What if I told you, yeah, come on Wednesday night. We're starting a new program. It's called the Fellowship of Sufferings. That sound like something you want to show up to? Yay. Fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Jesus fulfilled his purpose. We talked about that, that last week. That as he hung there on the cross, finally at the very end, he said, it is finished. Why? Because he did all that God had for him to do. He successfully changed and saved the whole world. Pretty impressive. And then he said, it is finished. He was done. I want to attain to that. To finish my work. Finish my purpose. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not there yet. I got a lot to learn. He's teaching me. He's growing me. Two things. You're not perfect, so keep moving. God found you. You didn't find him. Brought you from death to life, and he invites you to live the abundant life. Verse 13 here's the key. Paul said, I'm not there yet. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. He said, I, If I get everything else wrong, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I forget the past and keep moving forward. I forget about the things in the past that would stop me. I forget about the past that would hold me back because we can get caught in the past. You can get caught in the right now, today, and something that's going on today. And tomorrow, today's the past. And you can get stuck there and stop moving forward. It's easy to get caught in the past. All you have to do is stop fighting to move forward. It's like sitting in a river and fighting upstream. And you're just kind of sitting still and you feel like, well, I'm barely moving forward. But the second you stop fighting, guess where you're going? Downstream quick. When you stop taking ground and fighting for your future, you're stuck in the past. Paul said, I don't have it all right, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press. I'm pushing. I press toward the mark for the prize. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You have a call. You have a purpose. And if you don't forget the past, you won't walk in it. You'll never fully be what God's called you to be. Let us therefore as many be perfect or mature, be thus minded, and if anything ye be if any in anything 
ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. The past will rob you of the life that's available right now and the future that's yours. If you let it, past will rob you of that. It will take it from you. Your testimony is the most powerful tool that you have. In Revelation, we see that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. So our sins were paid for by Jesus' blood. That's easy. Salvation. We accept that. Okay. By the blood of the Lamb and the Word. The Word. The Word. Logos is the written Word. The Scripture. But the Word. Rhema. Is revelation. It's life. So I can be reading logos, words written on a paper, but I can get word, rhema, life. God can speak to me through those words. They jump off the page. They become life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The first part of John tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh. So I have a relationship with the word the word of their testimony or the life and the strength that come from telling your God story how do I overcome the bondage how do I overcome all this stuff that life's throwing at me how do I walk in freedom by the strength that comes from telling your God story. The word, the life, the strength, the rhema. Tell your story. Look back at your past and point out God. If all you see is pain and hurt, then you need healing. If you can look back to any area in your past and all you can still see is just the pain and the hurt and you can't see any way that God used it or a way that, that God's healed it or forgiveness in that area or something, then you need healing. If all you can see is pain and hurt, then God, you've not allowed God to heal you yet. So it's not time to tell that story. That's not the testimony to start telling if all you see is hurt and pain. You need to find healing before it becomes a testimony. Nehemiah 13.2 says, Our God turned the curse into a blessing. I mean, it was a curse that all the walls were torn down and the gates were burned and, and God's people had no protection but Nehemiah came back and there was unity and they rebuilt the walls and they rebuilt the city. And he said, God, what looked like a curse, God turned into a blessing. Because our God can do that. Something that we think is so bad can be a blessing. Can push us or propel us to somewhere we would have never gone. Remember when God took the prophet Ezekiel, and he sets him down in this valley full of dry bones, a great army of bones. And God said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? This was God's most powerful prophet alive in that day. And so he should have had faith 
right? And, and God said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel didn't say, yeah. He didn't say, no. He said, uh, only you know, Lord. I, I, I think they can, but only you know. You know God will take a yes with a question mark. That's okay. It's good because I've given him a lot of those. Can I do it? Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Throw up a yes with a question mark. You know when your voice gets a little bit higher, you know the less faith you have, the higher your voice gets for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yes. Stephen Furtick says that uh, the surest you can ever be on God, like when God speaks something to you, that you can only be 70% sure that it was God. That's what he believes. Because if you were just 100% sure, that would take no faith and no trust. Even when God really speaks something to us, we're still not 100% sure because He requires us to trust Him and have a little bit of faith. If we 100% knew, we wouldn't need faith or trust. We wouldn't need boldness to step in the land if the giants were already dead. That's what faith is. I just don't have peace about that, so I'm not going to walk. Nope. You know what faith is? A pit in your stomach. <laughs> oh, I got to do this. I'm scared. I don't feel qualified. I don't even have the money to do this. That's what faith is. I got a peaceful, easy feeling. That's what we want it to look like when we follow God. But God's like, nah. Man, I want you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <clears throat> but I don't like being uncomfortable. Get comfortable with it. <laughs> Remember we talked about a few weeks ago, Jonathan and his armor bearer, and he's like, we're going to run up the hill, we're going to pick a fight with the Philistines, and the odds are against us, and they're trained warriors with weapons, and we only got one sword, and I'm taking it because I'm the prince. And the armor bearer had to, like, pick up a rock to fight with. And then his great speech was, and maybe God will go with us. Maybe. That's faith. I'm not sure. But I know we got to do something. We got to move. Psalms 119, verse 105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, not a spotlight unto my future. I wish the word, the logos that we're talking about, the story, I wish it was a spotlight that shined into my future and let me know the path and what's all ahead and how many giants are ahead and how many things I'm going to have to beat. But then I wouldn't need any faith and I wouldn't have to trust God to get me through that future. 
Because I could go ahead and plan it all out and know how I'm going to win and how I'm going to take the land. And I wouldn't need God. No, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I can only see this far in front of me. But after I take this much ground, then the word lights up a little bit more. A lamp unto my feet, the square footage that's in front of me. So when I take that, then there's the light to take a little bit more, to take a little bit more. And eventually when I look back, I've changed the world. One square foot at a time. Trust. 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 That's faith. You don't have to know the whole story. Just write the next page. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Have courage. Create the future. Change the world. Walk in your purpose. You must know that what you are doing is necessary. Don't think that the things you get up and do don't matter. Don't mean anything. Don't think that you're waiting until the future to do something big. Don't think that, well, maybe when my kids get grown and get out of the house, I'll have enough time to actually be in ministry or help change the world. Or do No. You being a mother is how you're changing the world. What you are doing now is great and necessary. Nehemiah 6, 1, and we're close. Close with this thought. So Nehemiah, I just hit on it. The walls were torn down. The gates were burned. And Nehemiah was an old soft hands. It wasn't like he was a welder or a hard worker. Like what he did for a living was taste wine to make sure it wasn't poison. He sat at the king's table and wore the king's robes and soft hands. He was a soft dude. And Nehemiah went back and rebuilt the city and did this great and powerful work. Let's just read this and we'll talk about it. Verse 1 says, I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. And when Samballot and Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no more breaks in it. Even though I hadn't yet installed the gates, Samballot and Geshem sent this message. Come and meet with us at Kephron in the Valley of Ono. If anybody asks you to meet them in the Valley of Ono, don't go. I knew they were scheming to hurt me, so I sent messengers back with this. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down and see you? He said, no. They're trying to distract me. They're trying to hurt me. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. 
I am doing a great work and I cannot be distracted. And I don't know what messengers there are that are coming up into your life trying to distract you from the great work that God's called you to. From the purpose that He has for you. From the life and the truth that you're supposed to be living. From the story that He has for you. But there's going to be distractions. There's going to be people coming and trying to meet with you in the land of, oh no. Get you somewhere you don't need to be. Distractions. And you've got to say like Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work. Yeah, I'm a dad. And it's a great work and I will not be distracted. I cannot come down and meet you. No, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down and I will not be distracted. And so all this to say today, don't quit. Don't give up. And what you're doing matters. Who you are matters. God's got you in your workplace for a reason. God gave you those kids for a reason. God gave you that ministry for a reason. He put that call on your life. It, it matters. Well, I can only give $10 a week in the offering. And God told me to, to tithe. And I don't say, it matters. I am doing a great work because I'm doing what He called me to do. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. God told me to tell you today, don't quit. How are you going to be successful? Don't give up. Don't stop. I got a tattoo on my arm that says never give up. You know how many times I've read that thing? A million. I've been through some hard things and wanted to quit and wanted to give up. I joke about it, but I, <laughs> I've read that thing. Man, I've been punched in the face so hard I felt my eyeballs bounce around in the socket. Literally. And brought for a cause. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know how you win? Don't quit. Keep pressing like Paul was talking about. I don't care if you got knocked down. Get up. Keep going. God's got a great work for you. A great purpose for you. A call for you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because that's the only way you can lose. God's so big and so strong that He can work everything together for your good. He can, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter how many times you messed up. Just get up. The only way you lose, the only way you don't change the world, the only way is if you quit. Is if you give up, you stop taking ground. Joshua, every place you step, I'll give you. And when you stop stepping, you stop inheriting. When you stop taking ground, you're saying, that's enough. I'm good, God. I don't need any more. I quit. Joshua tried to do that. Remember, we looked at that last week. And Caleb said, oh, whoa, 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 buddy. I'm 85. Don't you remember? I'm supposed to be getting the mountain. 
Because Joshua tried to quit. So this whole message today was to remind you who you are and tell you don't quit. I don't care if you feel it. I don't know if you believe the lie. I don't know, but don't quit. Keep pressing. Keep pushing. Never give up. Let's pray. Hey, Dad, we'll hear you. feel like a little kid in a football game that just got hammered and dad says hey get up don't quit you're better than that put the helmet back on there's more for you to do get in the game you're gonna win God we hear you God, thank you for giving us a purpose and a reason. Help us to walk in that purpose. Help us to be powerful world changers. God, we love you. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, thank you for life, for passion. Help us to enjoy every minute. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.